Hello, welcome to Adventures in Autism, episode seven. I am Megan Carranza, the host. Thank you so much for coming back to listen. And thank you everyone for all the love you're giving the show. I am just so thankful and so grateful that everyone is liking it. It's it's so wonderful to be putting putting this out there. And today is going to be an awesome episode. I am talking with an occupational therapist. She is an old friend of mine who I've known for a long time. And it was wonderful to talk to her and get sort of a different perspective on working with kids with autism as opposed to, you know, the the mom side of things. She is on the other side of the table um in in a school. So it was it was really really great to to hear everything that she had to say and just kind of what she's been through and just the awesome resources that are available for kids on the spectrum um and with special needs in general cuz she works with all kinds of kiddos. So with that, I hope you enjoy listening to my conversation with Lindsay. Hello. Hello Lindsay. Welcome to Adventures in Autism. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. You sound crystal clear, so this is perfect. <laughs> good. I'll make sure not to move. Okay. <laughs> I warned her that we want to have a good connection this time. <laughs> um, I'm so excited for you to be on. Lindsay and I have actually known each other for a very, very long time. It was like junior high that we met, right? Yeah, I think, yeah, it was at Madison. Yes, but we both, we also both did children's theater, community theater program. So I, I can't even remember if it was then that we met or if it was at junior high, but yes, we've known each other for a long time and she is a wonderful lady and I'm super excited because she is an occupational therapist. So she's going to give us a different perspective today and kind of talk about you know, working with kids on the spectrum and what things have been like so far. She works at a middle school. So it'll be nice too, to hear working with a little bit older students as opposed to like, I mean, obviously I'm only used to like preschool age and younger. Um, so let's talk about like what, what got you into OT. So kind of take me back and what, what made you want to go into it? So it really started um, in high school. It started because my senior year, I took a co-op class and it was basically, you learned about different professions and they taught you how to do job interviews and write resumes and things like that. And so in this class, it really opened me up to just kind of the area that I wanted to go into. And I knew I wanted to do something medical, but I had, at this point, I had absolutely no idea what occupational therapy was or that it even existed. So Mm -hmm. I was thinking more physical therapy. So as time went on, you know, then I go to college and I know that I want to go into it, but they're all master's and doctorate programs. And so I'm completing observations and my mom actually through one of her um, patients, she was a dental hygienist was an occupational therapist and had me observe her. And I just absolutely fell in love with the field. So through my co-op class in high school, we had um, a few students that were of the multi-needs and they were in our class. And then they're also in my second period um, adaptive PE class. And it was, I didn't even know that this class was a thing until a bunch of my friends were like, you've got to do it. It's so much fun. And so they basically paired up multi-need students with their gen ed peers to kind of build relationships and, you know, kind of work through different, we did a lot of different like problem solving activities and like teamwork stuff. And it was, I mean, it completely opened my eyes to like how much I enjoyed, enjoyed it. And so in high school or not high school, in college, when I was observing my mom's patient, the one thing that like just absolutely like melted my heart is I remembered what really made me want to go into schools is she was an OT at a school and she was at the grade school level and I was observing in class and we're sitting, I'm like, you know, trying to not be disruptive. I'm just, you know, a silent observer. And 
a little student, I think we were in like a first, not e- maybe not even first, it might have been kindergarten. A student got up and he just walks over to me and he like moves my hands and just like plop down on my on my lap and like my heart just basically exploded at that moment oh, because oh, it was so sweet. It was the cutest thing ever and from there I was like, "Oh my gosh, I just absolutely loved it." So after college, knowing that, you know, doing all the research throughout school, um, occupational therapy became a master's at that point. So in order to go to OT, I had to apply for grad school and all that. And so during that time, I worked at a local preschool in their self-contained room for three years before going to grad school. And it just, I loved it. And it was great too, because the OT in the room knew that I wanted to be an OT. And so she would basically just like, I mean, I got to work with the kids so much and, you know, really help her like with their goals and stuff like that. And it was just such a good experience for me. And I really enjoyed it. It's been a great career for me so far. That's awesome. I didn't even know that you worked at the preschool. Were you like an aide at the preschool or what was your role there? Yeah, I was a TA at the time. So I was a TA and then like with um, applying to grad school, Cause at that time, like apply, um, oh my gosh, I can't even talk, um, <laughs> applications for the schools. I mean, just so many people have been applying that it was getting harder to get in. So I was like retaking classes and going to, um, like different colleges that I was interested in and like interviewing to see what I could do to like improve my chances. So yeah, just basically anything I could do that would help me get in. Okay. Awesome. So- so, and then I know you said like, once you finished school, you worked in a clinical setting for a while, but you like really wanted to get, get into a school. Yeah. So what basically happened is during grad school, we have to do for the OT degree, you have to do three or not three, two level two field work. So you do a bunch of like level ones where, you know, it might be a couple days here or there, like a week. Or, you know, like one day a week for six weeks. But the level twos, you're there full time, but you're a student. So in that time, you can request different settings. And so knowing that I wanted to go into schools, my first request was for a school. And um, I was in a school district in St. Louis, and we worked at three different schools. It was two elementaries and a high school and it was so much fun because every population at every school was completely different even though it was in the same district like it was just it was great because you got to do all different activities and focus on different things and then my second field work was actually at an inpatient hospital and it focused a lot on stroke and traumatic brain injury and spinal cord injury and that I just loved. So I ended up going the clinical route for about five years. And then I was just like, you know, I just, I, I just like one day I was like, you know, I wanted, I think it was like right after I was at a hospital and they had scheduled me on the pediatric floor for about like three weeks. And I like, just remember coming home one day being like, but that's why I originally wanted to go into it was to be with the kids. And so I applied to a few different jobs and I was like, if I get it, this is the route that I was meant to go. And so here I am. That's awesome. So, and I know you had told me like you were thinking that you would work with younger kids. So then you ended up at middle school. So how did that, how did that come to be? I did. So this district I was interviewing in, they have um, OTs at the preschool, grade school, middle school, high school. And then they have um, what they call a steps program, which is after high school. So applying, I, of course, wanted to work in like the preschool or the grade school, but there was no positions open. So when they hired me, you know, they were very upfront and they told me that they only had like a middle school position open. And so at the time I was like, oh, okay, like I'll give it a try and see kind of how I like it. And me personally, when I was in middle school, I did not enjoy middle school. It was a very (laughs) awkward time. Like I was very unsure of myself. You know, it's just, it's, it's a weird growth period for kids. I think everyone's like that in middle school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So going back in, I was like, I don't know how I feel about this. 
you know, and like that first year when I was there, it was an adjustment because the clinical and the educational setting are completely different. There are, when you're in the clinical setting, you can focus on, you, well, you do focus on completely different things than in the educational setting. Mm-hmm. So I had to kind of switch my, my thought process. You know, it's yeah. good to have that clinical background, but in the educational setting, you really need to focus on how it's affecting them educationally and, you know, their access to the educational environment and their role as a student. And so that took a little bit for me to kind of learn that thought process switching over from the clinical side. That's even been difficult for me, like as the mom, because I remember when, when Logan first started with his therapy, like through early intervention and we were doing speech and OT at home, like obviously, you know, the, the main, the main goal with, with any kind of therapy when it's like one-on-one individual for the child, is just like, you know, to see as much progress as we can and to get as much out of them. But I mean, especially in the home, it's like, he's the sole focus. Right. And then when he was moving to preschool and we were working on, you know, getting the services in place for school and I was like, okay, well, you know, let's, let's get him, you know, obviously like as much, as much speech and OT or developmental therapy, like whatever it is we're trying to do. And they're like, you know, we, like, we still want to do that, but it's also really about him being at school and learning how to be a good student and what's going to help him academically. And so when you're saying like you have to change your thought process, I, I had the same, the same kind of like had to shift my thought process as well to be like, okay, I understand like this is for the greater good as opposed to just like specifically like in the moment catering to Logan. Um, So it's interesting, like, no matter what side of the table you're on, it's a different kind of perspective. Well, and not only that, though, it's because you, especially a lot of the students I see, like they do have therapy at home. Yeah. So they do have a bigger range of things that they can focus on. Whereas at school, like we really are limited to like just the educational setting and, you know, supporting them educationally and things like that. But then it's also hard too, because, before me working in the school setting, like if someone was to come in and be like, well, the OT at school said, you know, X, Y, and Z, like I would be very confused and be like, well, that they're still an occupational therapist. Why are they not doing this? But it's just, they're under like certain limitations. Like, yeah, we can work on some range of motion, but like we can't sit there and do range of motion exercises every single day. And have that be the sole focus of like increasing range of motion. Like it has to be for a purpose. Okay. They need to be able to reach up in order to open up their computer so that they can, you know, participate in the class activity. Right. Absolutely. I guess that's actually maybe a good thing to even just talk about is like, because I know there are people that you say OT to and they still aren't really sure. And there could be people listening who are not entirely sure. Can you back up a little bit and just explain what occupational therapy really is? So occupational therapy, it's the, we focus a lot on the occupation of life and participating in the different activities that make up your day. So it looks different in every setting that you're in. So in the clinical setting, oftentimes you will get someone that, you know, if they just had a stroke or a traumatic brain injury or something like that, you're focusing on you know, being able to make them safe and strong and stable enough where, you know, they can, you know, put their pants back on, put their shirt back on. Um, Bathe is a huge thing that we do in the clinical setting. Um, You'll work on like fine motor stuff, you know, where they're like managing buttons or, you know, getting them back to cooking in the outpatient setting. You'll still work on that stuff, but sometimes it may be just like more like fine tuning you know, the things like that. So yeah, they can get their shirt on now, but they're having a hard time with like the fine motor part of the zipper. So you're focusing on that. And, and they will focus on some dressing stuff at the, um, like the grade school level, middle school. We haven't focused it on it as much, but really at the school setting, it's like how they're able to access their educational environment. So grade school, preschool and grade school, they focus a lot on like, scissor skills, you know, pencil skills, writing. We're um, working on 
those are skills right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, a lot of like. And dressing too. It's funny you say that because just like a couple weeks ago, we worked that into his, uh, his plan with, because again, we do ABA at home, which kind of encompasses everything. It's like got a little bit of the OT, a little bit of the speech, a little bit of the developmental. Um, and we, like I said, we've, we've been working on dressing and we're always working on dressing with him, but just recently his, his therapist was like, I really want to get him to put on his own shirt. Cause he's mastered, um, putting on his pants and even his socks, which that was a big one too. Um, that was like, took a while. And so the shirt, I'm like, Oh, like that's gonna be hard for him. Cause it's hard for him to figure out how to get it over his head. But it it's crazy because after just like a couple days of doing it with him now, he can put his own shirt on. So awesome. yes, it's amazing. So he basically, he's like pretty much getting himself dressed now, which is, I can't even tell you how amazing that progress is. Um, but yeah, like you said, like OT really encompasses all that. It really does. It's the umbrella that OT covers is very broad. Yes. So it's, it's very big. Um, but the interesting thing is too, like at the middle school level. So like a lot of times when like students are coming to me, you know, once they're at the middle school level, handwriting really isn't an appropriate goal for them anymore because Mm -hmm. the hand muscles are developed. They have the muscle memory of how they're writing. Like at that point, it's very, very, very difficult to change a pencil grip. And all you're going to do is frustrate this child you know and then you also become the bad guy too because every time you come in like they're like oh I have to do this thing that I just absolutely do not want to do so then we try to shift the focus into okay how else can we support you in this setting so the district that I'm in every student in our junior high has a Chromebook so it's great because we get to work on computer skills. That's a very functional thing for them, especially now. I mean, technology is everywhere. Absolutely. So, yeah. So teaching them um, how to enter their password, how to navigate on the internet. Like if they're, depending on the level of student I'm working with, if they're writing the paper for their ELA class and they need to find a picture to put into it, do they know how to do that? Do they know how to share that document with students that they may be working on in a group project. Um, You know, just different things like that. Like I had a student today, we're working on just basic typing skills because she gets very frustrated with typing. And so she'll just kind of play along and like pretend like she's typing, but she's really just hitting the keyboard. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm like, all right, how am I going to motivate her to actually look at the keyboard and pay attention to what she's typing? So I was looking up like different typing games that like makes it fun, but I don't want it to be too hard. Like I don't want the whole board just yet, because if I do that, that's going to be a lot for her to take in at once. And she's going to just shut down and be like, yeah, I don't want to do that. So I'm just Mm -hmm. focusing on home row, just one row right in the middle where you place your fingers and we'll just take it from there and kind of see where it goes. But then that way, at least she's not so overwhelmed with it. Yeah. You know, like if you're if you're learning to cook and someone comes in and is like, hey, make this like four course meal. You're going to be like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> so, you you know, you got to go in steps. And I think that's something, too, that like we really have to be cognizant of because sometimes we're like, well, it's so easy, but it's not for everyone. And it's like you really have to like break down the steps, which by doing that you're trying to set them up for as much success as possible. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's so interesting. You and I had talked about this before, how it's just like, you know, there's, there's so many things that, you know, we as neurotypical adults, cause I mean, we're grown at this point. It's like, you don't even think about doing these things that mm-hmm. for somebody else is takes so much effort and it's such hard work. And it's like, we, you know, this, this comes naturally to us, but it's, you have to think about, okay, you know, for this person, like this is a challenge and how are we going to, to make this easier? And what can we do to, you know, like you said, get her closer to her goals. So I, I love, I I, I think it's so interesting OT. And I, I, I just love that it's, it's available because I think there's so many, like you were saying, it's such a wide umbrella, but there's so many things that, you know, kids in the spectrum need help with. And 
it's it's so great that they have that help available to them yeah so it's really cool too because the middle school that I'm at we focus to like when kids come to middle school yes we're still focusing on like the academic piece you know I, I do still work on typing um you know, those kind of things. But we really focus, especially in our multi-needs rooms, on functional. Because at this point, like if we know they're not, the plan is not to go off to college. The plan is just to, when you get to high school and beyond, you just want to be able to live as independently and functional of a life as possible. Absolutely. at the middle school level, what we start doing is where we really try to start teaching those basic vocational skills and basic self-care independence. So at this point, like shower or bathing and dressing and all that stuff, like they pretty much have it down because they've done it with their parents all throughout grade school. What we're trying to do is in our, I have three multi-needs classes and every day after lunch, they come back and they complete a hygiene routine. And we've completed a visual with like all the different steps, but they have to brush their teeth, brush their hair and put on deodorant. This is what they do with you in school. So they do it. This is built into the class schedule. So oh. this is not direct. I mean, it's, it's with OT in the sense that I consult with the teachers, mm-hmm. but it's not like me leading the group. So I'll meet with the teachers like, okay, you know, what are they having difficulty with? What can I help with? And I might pop in a few times. So I offer a lot of support to the team and like, we'll sit together and we'll put together visuals and kind of problem solve on different things. But like, it's really like a team effort in like the multi-needs class. Mm -hmm. So they build it into their schedule. And then we also focus on like those vocational skills. So like I work with the classrooms a lot and what we have is um, one period a day it's called peer buddy it's the peer buddy period so they have um same aged peers come in and they all pair up and so like one day they'll focus on like vocational stuff so they'll do different jobs around the classroom or around the school um usually it's stuff like you know we'll deliver like reams of paper or we'll work on shredding watering plants um you know like wiping down we had a student last year his job was to wipe down some tables in the library and then straighten up the chairs, something that's functional, but it's easy for them where it's not going to be frustrating, but we're trying to teach them a new job and not only a new job, but being able to stick through a job for like a given period of time. Responsibility. Right. Yes. Yes. So, um, so that's been great because they've, they've really done well with it. And it's really funny too, because, It's so interesting to see them at the beginning of the year, especially like when you have like the new sixth graders, because I mean, this is a whole new world for them. Like they just came from, you know, fifth grade and now they're in middle school and they're like, what is going on? So it's really cool to see them like progress throughout the year. And at the end of the year, like, oh, my gosh, do you remember when, you know, so and so like had like needed like all this assistance to do, you know, whatever job it was. And now Mm -hmm. look at them, you know? Yeah. Uh, But one of my favorite things at the middle school level is there's two different things that we do. And one of them for the peer buddy class is a peer buddy cooking class. And so we work on, and I, I teach this, this class with the, I mean, the teachers are a part of it, but I pretty much lead it just because I love it so much. (laughs) And we work on, it starts off kind of slow. You know, we learn about like hand hygiene and how you spread germs and how to wipe down a table and do dishes and, we move into different, just simple meals or snacks, I would say. They're more snacks. Mm-hmm. So, like, we just did, we just finished a unit of, about measuring. And so they were learning different amounts of measuring cups while they made trail mix. And I each, love it. Yes. And each ingredient <laughs> needed a different size measuring cup. And they had to identify what what measuring cup it was that they needed so and like ideally too like with the cooking class like obviously I would like them to like enjoy the snack but there are students that they just they have food aversions and it is what it is so then with them like I never make them eat it they never have to eat whatever they don't want to eat but I want Mm -hmm. them to make it 
Yeah. So some of the students, it's not even necessarily focusing on the cooking portion. It's focusing on the tolerating being around foods that you don't like and helping make it mm-hmm. with assistance and just tolerating it in front of you, but knowing you don't have to eat it. Yes. Yeah. So, well, I mean, it seems like there there's so many amazing pieces to that because it's like especially if they're working on measuring that's also you know some math skills that come into play there numbers if they're doing this you know like you said if it's like with with their peers like that there's the social component that goes into it I mean there's just there's so many there's so many pieces of that that make so much sense as to why that would be helpful yeah well and it's great too because like if they need say like they're making trail mix and they walk up but I have all the baggies like what are they need to ask for it? Yes. Mm-hmm. So then it's advocating for themselves and advocating for their needs. And um, I remember last year um, I wanted to make macaroni and cheese in a bowl. And I tried doing it where, you know, we measured out macaroni and put it in a paper bowl with water and put it in the microwave. And it just, it did not go the way I planned at all. <laughs> oh, I was like, all right, you know. That's like, also like, part of life. Things right. don't go how you plan. <laughs> so the next week I was like, all right, like this is going to make me nervous, but we're going to do craft macaroni and cheese on the actual stovetop. And so we got together with the teachers and it was typically around four groups in each class with about three students per group. And they made craft macar- macaroni and cheese on the stove and they did amazing. They floored me. Oh. Like I, cause I was like, I was a hot mess. I, there, one of the stoves was like an open flame and I was like, oh my gosh, like I just, like I was so nervous. So I was like watching mm-hmm. them like a hawk. Cause I was like, if something mm-hmm. happens, like I'm going to be so upset, you know, and they did so, so wonderful. Aww. So, but then I got totally sidetracked. The second part that I really liked though, is we do community twice a month. Okay. Which, I think is amazing. So our teachers on one of the um, uh, peer buddy periods will do a community prep. So, you know, they'll be like, okay, next week we're going to um, like once a month, I'll go to a grocery store and then like, like usually out to eat somewhere. And then the second trip will usually be like a community, like educational place. So, um, if they're going to a grocery store, they put together a grocery list and they have to look up prices and, you know, that kind of stuff. And it's really nice, too, because usually the first time they go to the grocery store, it's just spent like navigating the store and and learning how to ask for help and then going through the checkout line. But then as the year goes on, they get better and better at it and more comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. And the other one is great, too, because when they go to all these different community places, like last year, we went to the police station. And so they got to learn about you know, different like police officers and firefighters and how they help the community and like learning different safety signs in the community and what they mean. And, you know, when you're walking through a parking lot, like you don't just walk and not look, you have to look for cars. And so it really like rolls over into like, uh, like tons of other areas of their life. Um, And my teachers that I work with are really great too, with putting together like information packets before, those type of lessons and sending them home so that the families have stuff to go over with as well, which is great. And it helps so much because kids are only at school so many hours in the day mm-hmm. and we can do all we can, but if we don't have the support from home too, and the follow through from home, like we, we're not going to get the progress that we want. Right. So, so that home school Alliance is like a huge, huge key factor. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think at any grade level, that's so important. Right. Uh, I, I love the idea of the community outings. I think that is, that's so important because I think even kind of what you're talking about too, with like the, you know, connecting home and school. Um, I'm sure a lot of these kids probably do go to the grocery store with their parents and their, their mom or dad just like, does all of it and they're kind of along mm-hmm. the rides so they're probably maybe like piecing some of this together but like to actually like give them the grocery list have them navigate the store have them right. pick out what they need that like you were saying with like you know making sure they're as functional as they can be that is just that's such a wonderful a wonderful service that they're 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 getting and I just think that that is like so important for right. for them to learn I remember I think it was like a year ago or so 
um, I was, I was at the grocery store and I saw like a group of kids, you know, special needs kids. And I was like, I was like, Oh my gosh. I'm like, that is so awesome that they're here. And they're like a similar situation, like working on, you know, got, they have their grocery list. They were all trying to figure out what they needed. Um, and I'm pretty sure I burst into tears because I was like so happy <laughs> to see it. And I was just like, this is so great because again, it's just like, you know, we, as, as, you know, functioning adults are like, I'm like, okay, I got to go to the grocery store. Like, let's go out and do it. But I mean, you know, it's, it's so important for, for kids in the spectrum. Like it's like, it has to, it, you, you got to start at that basic level and then build upon it. So right. just knowing that like, this is stuff that they they're able to do now, you know, in school, it's just like, it makes me so happy. Right. So- and I think the great thing too is, so we kind of started and then in high school, they go every week on community and mm-hmm. they even build further on those vocational skills. And then what happens is um, if we have students that are going into what we call the STEPS program, when they they don't graduate from high school. So what it is is so if they receive a diploma, then technically they're out of the school system at that point. Mm-hmm. So then instead of graduating, they get like a certificate. And they move on to the STEPS program. And they're in the STEPS program, I believe, until a day, the day before their 22nd birthday. I was going to say, it's like 22, I want to say. Yeah. So Obviously, um, we're not there yet, but I have heard about it. Yeah. So, and it's great that you've heard about it, too, because there's been people that we've talked to, like parents that we've talked to in meetings, and they're like, wait, I've never heard of this. I'm like, oh, my gosh, like it's such a great, great thing to like be aware of. And like, you know, I mean, it's such a good support for students. So, you know, and just from there, like further building on those vocational skills and the tasks get more complex and they further build upon that. And it's just, it's such a great support. And then too, like we've had students that um, I know of in our district that like there's a TA in our district, her son actually went through our steps program and he still has the job that he got in the steps program. And he's like learned how to like take the bus <gasps> to his job. Amazing. Like all this stuff, like he has a cell phone, like where he knows like when he needs to call to be picked up and called to be dropped off. And just like, it's just so wonderful. Yes. So, well, and like you said, you're kind of, you know, planting that seed in right. at the middle school level and then through high school and the steps program, it's able to just grow and grow, which is just right. like, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I'm, I'm lucky that I, I'm aware of that, but I think it, it's, I'm really glad that we're, we're able to talk about, like I said, because you're in middle school, kind of like what things are going to look like in the future, because I've talked about it on the podcast before, how you know, when you are an autism parent, it's that that's probably at least for me, like the scariest thought is like, okay, what is our future going to look like? Cause you just don't know. Right. And there's, there's so much room for growth. So it's like, you want to be, you know, as, as positive as you can and have, have that positive outlook. But at the same time, you also want to know the, the realistic side of things. And like you said, even if these kids are not destined for college, we still want them to have the best quality of life that they can and be as independent and as functional as they can. So knowing that there's all these, these resources out there, it's just like, yeah, it makes me, it makes me so happy. Right. And you know, and we'll get, maybe we get a student that maybe they don't want to work, but okay, then we'll focus on what are the resources within the community? Because the last thing we want to happen is for you to sit at home all day and now you know you're unhealthy because you're depressed and you're sitting at home and Mm -hmm. you have no quality of life whereas if we can set up different programs like even if it's just you know like a day or two a week where you go out and like you have you know whatever club that you go participate in and you have this group of friends like that is so good for mental health yes you know and like Mm -hmm. I think sometimes in the process of growing up and going through the school system, I think sometimes, and I completely agree that academics are important, but I also think that sometimes 
we as a society can get so caught up in the academic portion of it that sometimes we forget about just the functional aspect of it. Like I even have kids on my caseload that they're not in my multi-needs classes, you know, but they are getting services and they genuinely just don't enjoy any of their core classes. Like they don't enjoy social studies. They don't enjoy science. But as soon as you get them into art class or like wood shop class, they're a completely different kid. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's really good just for like our children in general is to allow them to explore those different, you know, vocational skills and build those different life functional vocational skills so that they are going to be more successful in life or at least have a better idea that when they come, when it comes time to try to make that decision, you know, they have a little bit more guidance. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I think that makes so much sense. Oh, so many uh, wonderful, wonderful things that are available to the students now, which is just like warms my heart. It really does. Yeah. Um, I know something else that you and I had kind of talked about, because obviously you're on the school side of things, but when it comes to stuff like the, the IEP meetings and just kind of like dealing with that sort of back and forth, how that can be difficult um, for, for on, on both sides. Um, right. A little bit for you, like what, it, what it's like for you when you have to like deal with all the like evaluations and preparing for the meetings. So there's a lot of preparation that goes into evaluations and meetings and, you know, depending on, who you're evaluating and what you're evaluating, you're going to do different tests, which I'll take, you know, various amounts of time. And then you have to do the write-up, but you want to make sure you're getting the best reflection of the student. And really the sole purpose of the evaluation is to not only get the best reflection of the student, but to be able to really pinpoint those areas that the child needs support. And I think that sometimes, you know, like it's hard, like from a, a school standpoint, like we genuinely are trying to help, but as a parent comes in, you know, and they come walking into a room and there's 10 people sitting around a table and they're analyzing everything about your child, I feel I've never been in that position. But I feel like if I was in that position, that would be very overwhelming for me. I feel like you, like at least for me, you you go in there and you're just like almost immediately on the defense. <laughs> like that's yes, just, like, yes, totally. That's just the way you're like, okay, like what's coming at me? What do I like it makes sense though, because I mean, the reality of it is like, that's your baby and you're going to yeah. do anything you can to protect them and to, you know, and if you think, yeah, it just, no, it's, that's your child and you just want what's best for them. Mm -hmm. And that is a very, I think, uncomfortable situation. Um, but I mean, you know, it is something that needs to be done because in order to get that process going and get all the supports going, you have to do that evaluation and you have to have those hard conversations. Mm -hmm. And then it's hard too, because sometimes at school, we may see things differently than at home, oh, you know, really? yeah. like, like, and we may have students too, that, you know, all day because of the demands of school, like all day at school, they do great, you know, but then the second they get home, they just melt. Mm-hmm. Which is understandable, you know, like, think about it, like, after, like, a really long day, like, all you want to do is, like, go home and, like, veg on the couch. Yeah. Or when they get home and they have sports and they've got homework and they've got, you know, like, whatever else it is that they got to do, you know, and it's, it's exhausting. Yeah. So, it's and, like, especially now, too, a really big important thing, too, with just society is just the social, emotional, like, mental health aspect of it, too, and, like, focusing on like understanding emotions and understanding how you're feeling and you know like because we have a sensory room at our school and like we take students in there all the time like we have students that have regular breaks throughout their day that just go in there because they need like a movement break to help them focus or they need just like a mental break where they can just go and relax and do nothing for like five minutes and then go back to class but you know, they just need that break mm -hmm. because they're overwhelmed and they need to just take a few deep breaths, gather their thoughts back together and go on back. Yeah, that's that's so great that even at a middle school level that that's still available because like I know, mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, at, at Logan's school, any school that he's been at, they have like that movement room and he is a mover and a shaker. So he definitely enjoys that. Uh, but it, it, like 
yeah, I mean, again, it's like you, you don't know what's available to your child as they get older. So it's just nice to know that that's still, that's still an option. Although at that point he'll probably be like, he'll need like a, just a treadmill to like run on. (laughs) (laughs) I joke about that now. I'm like, I think get him like a treadmill desk. (laughs) I am like, I think we need a treadmill. (laughs) He would really, really enjoy that. Cause we have like the trampoline in the bounce house, but yeah, I think, I think we need to, we might need to upgrade to the treadmill at some point. (laughs) I've had some students that they, we have a treadmill in our sensory room and like they benefited from running and they were so athletic. Like they yeah. would run for like 15 minutes and I'm like sitting there looking at him like, I, I would be like gasping for air right now. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. Like, no. I'm like, how are you just so fast? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that is for sure. My child, he is, he, he never stops moving like ever. Yeah. <laughs> he wakes up in the morning, like, a mile a minute and he is just the same way all day he's just yeah all over the place um yeah I I totally as far as like the IEP meetings go I I totally see your side of it because yeah I mean when you're when you're in the school setting you know like you said you're you're looking at things from like an educational point of view and when you're on my side of the table and you're you know mama bear and you're just trying to like protect your baby like you were saying it definitely can be difficult. And it's like, you, you want to find that middle ground. You want to find that balance. Um, I, yeah, I've, I've definitely, I think most the, the parents listening can probably relate to that. And there's been many a meeting where I've been in tears and (laughs) just felt like it is, it's overwhelming. And sometimes what's just hard too, is it's like you, at least for me, like I always just want to focus on the positive. And I always want to be like, you know, celebrating all the little successes. So I know at least for me, what can be hard is, I mean, obviously in the meetings, we, we have to talk about the things that they need help with. Right. So, His challenges. Yes, exactly. And it's like you, they, and they're always really kind about it. And it's like, they, they want to, you know, present the challenges in, in a way where it's like, we always start with the positives, obviously, but I know like for me, and I'm sure a lot of parents can relate, like sometimes it does feel like kind of piling on with like the, 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 the challenges and like can get into, can just, it, it can start to feel just overwhelming in that sense. Um, but I mean, like you said, at the same time, you know, it has, it has to be done. And right. I think as parents, it's, it's so important to advocate for our kids. And I think that at least for me, like I try so hard in those meetings to like keep my cool. And I don't think I've cried at one in recent, in recent months (laughs) because I've really tried. I'm like, okay, I'm going to keep it together. I've definitely fought tears. I've fought tears. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, we've had parents cry in meetings and I totally get it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's a very emotional situation you know like your heart is in it oh yeah totally yeah so and I yeah it's not even that I'm like oh I can't cry but I feel like sometimes like at least for me like once the floodgates open I'm like oh god are they ever gonna oh I totally understand (laughs) yes (laughs) I want to be you know I want to be clear and I want to make my make my point and sometimes yeah when when the tears start flowing um so yeah I have to but but I, I think I've also learned too because you know, it's only been a couple of years with him within the district, but we've had many meetings. I have kind of learned to like put my game face on for the meetings Yeah, because you, you have to, yeah. Like I said, you kind of, you are sort of on the defense and you have a certain agenda. The school has a certain agenda and it's just like you, you need to find that common ground. So it's like you, you do, you have to be like in that, that kind of game, game mode. Um, but yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's necessary for growth. I actually just had a meeting, I had a meeting at his school today that it, it went really well. It was more of just like a supplemental meeting. It wasn't necessarily like an IEP meeting. Um, but e- yeah, even in there, and it wasn't like, you know, super formal or intense, you do kind of have to, you got to play the game a little bit, which I know other parents listening can definitely, definitely relate to. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. We've all been in that boat. So, and I think it's hard too, like when you're in an IEP meeting and like you're seeing something at school, but, and you really want to like 
help a student work on whatever it is, you know, that you think is really important to help them in the educational setting and like the parents disagree or vice versa, you know, and then it's hard too, because like technically you both really want what's best for them, but like which one is more important and more beneficial in that actual setting. Right. I think that's exactly it. Yeah. Cause it's like you, like, I know at least like for me, I'm always pushing for more speech and it's like more speech, more speech. Like, what can we do? Like, let's get more speech. And they, they obviously, you know, they want Logan to talk also. So it's like, we are, we, we have the same goals, but it's like, we just look at them in slightly different ways. So it's like to get, to kind of figure out that, again, that kind of happy medium of like, I feel like he's getting his needs met. They feel like he's getting his needs met. It definitely can be a struggle, but yeah, I think that both, both parties have their best interests. They just look at the best interests in maybe a little bit different ways. Yes. Yeah. So that, that can be yeah. a challenge. And it's interesting too, because especially, I mean, at all grade levels, but especially as they get, as students get older, OT works a lot. I mean, they'll work with them one on, or like in groups more so um, as they get older. Cause that's usually when they're doing like the functional and vocational stuff, mm-hmm. but they do a lot behind the scenes as well as like consultation, like with staff and, you know, problem solving with training and stuff like that. And, you know, when you're in a meeting, like if I have a student that, you know, say like for hygiene, I was seeing, I'm like, okay, well, you know, he's doing really well. The teacher has this handled, you know, I'm going to drop him say from 120 minutes a month to 90 minutes a month because they don't need my specific expertise and input on that exact thing. Mm -hmm. I'm still consulting on it. Mm -hmm. I'm just not working one-on-one unless they absolutely need me to push in to help problem solve on something. Right. But as a parent, you see that. And a lot of times red flags go up because you're like, oh, you're trying to take away services. And that's not necessarily the case. It's we're he's still being there or he or she is still being supported with that. It's just not necessarily with that person. Yeah, no, that makes that makes total sense. But I know exactly how the parent feels because yeah, you're like what? Right, and it's that a totally valid sense. concern because parents get yeah. they're like, well, if you're not working on that, then who is? You know, I'm like, oh well, you know, and you'll explain like who will work on it and how it's built into their day. But sometimes I feel like in that situation, you know, like when you try to explain something sometimes and you just come off really wordy. Yeah, totally. Versus like explain it. Sometimes I feel like in meetings and I don't mean to, I'm trying to explain it as best I can, but like, I feel like parents just are skeptical because they're protected with every right. Mm -hmm. And you know, then you go to explain it and they're just, they're not convinced. Yeah. (laughs) No, I totally get that. Cause I feel like that's how I, I usually am. <laughs> yeah. Well, with no, all I mean, due respect, I feel like I would be the exact same way, especially because I do work in a school. I'd be like, no, no, I'm on to your game. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, it's, it's, it is, it's so hard because, you know, it, in the school setting and not that they don't care, cause I know they care. And we, we have been so lucky with just amazing teachers and I, therapists. And I, I know they care, but it's, I mean, it is it's just, it's so different when it's your baby and right. you just want to help them and you, you know, you want to see them grow and succeed and you feel like, you know, the right way to do that. But it's like this, you got to work with the school also. Like I said, I've, I feel like I've even just in the couple of years that I've been doing the meetings and everything I've, I've learned and I've had to, to bite my tongue a little bit. Um, but it's also like I said, you just, you want to, you want to be the best advocate for them that you can. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's important too, like depending on a student's needs to not solely rely on therapy, just in the school setting. Oh, for sure. Do you because, see that? Do you see that with your students? Um, at times? Yes. But I mean, it's hard too, because <sighs> as they get older, you know, they work on different things, but I just, I think sometimes, you know, they're like, oh, well, they have it at school. So then it just makes it easier because then we're not running to all these appointments during the week. Um, You know, like life happens, things happen. Mm -hmm. I think it's good to know that with having that home therapy or 
you know, going to wherever for therapy, just having that outside therapy is beneficial because, well, one, it's going to be one-on-one direct on the exact needs of that student. Mm -hmm. And they're going to have a wider range of things that they're able to work on because of that because they're not in the educational setting. Oh, for sure. and a lot of times too, when we have students that do have home therapy with OT, PT or speech, we can get assigned consent from the parents mm-hmm. and we'll have open communication. Like last year on multiple occasions for multiple different students, we had, you know, home speech paths or OTs come in yeah. and serve to see how they're in school because they want to get a better understanding. And I love it when that happens mm-hmm. because they see a completely different student than what we see. And then they like we kind of get to get a little glimpse into each other's world. Mm-hmm. And like it really helped with this one student because we were able to sit down and streamline the vocabulary and the directions that we would use with the student. And when we did that, it really helped with his behaviors because we were using completely different terminology than they were using at home, but we didn't even realize it until we all met and sat and talked. Yeah. So it's such great insight Mm -hmm. for everyone involved. Yeah. I I totally agree with you. We do that with, um, with his ABA since, since he's been doing ABA the past year, she has his, his BCBA, the one who like writes all his plans and like carries everything out. She has come to, I think, like, all his meetings, and she's been able to, like, observe him in school on different occasions, because, like you said, you you do see different sides of things, mm-hmm. and, like, she was telling me just today that she was talking with his, his teacher, and, like, you know, we're still kind of in the beginning of the school year. It's just beginning of October, and she was saying that, you know, talking to his teacher, she's like, I realized that, like, this last month of school for her has been kind of, like, one big assessment, because she's trying to figure out you know, where, where he falls with all these things. Whereas, you know, with ABA, we've been doing that now for over a year. So she really has a good, you know, understanding. Uh, of Yeah. Yeah. And so then it's like, she can relay that back to the teacher and we all have that kind of, like you said, like open communication. And it is, it's, I think that's so important because yeah, everything that they do at school, it's like, you want to be able to translate that at home and vice versa. So it's like, you, you need to have that, that, that open communication with everybody and just kind of that team camaraderie, like we're all in this together. We all want what's best. I, to me, that, that makes me feel like so much more supported as a parent because we are kind of all like on the same team, which is, it's so important. Right. I agree. I think it is so, so important. Yeah. Well, I feel like we could just like talk all day, but <laughs> we really probably could. <laughs> I know. Well, there's, so much, there's so much to say. It's so interesting. But um, I had said to you before, but it's so true. I just I, I appreciate so much the work you're doing. And, you know, coming from my side of things, like as the mom, I I'm so just it warms my heart to hear all the stuff that you are able to do with these kids. And I know that you are making such a huge impact and that is I mean it's priceless it really is so I mean I just I thank you because we need we need the good therapists and the people that are are helping out our kiddos thank you I I love this field it's a great great field to be in and I love working with the kids and I love middle school, which is so crazy to me because (laughs) I, when I went into it, I was like, oh gosh, what am I doing? And now I'm like, no, I like relate so much to them. Yeah. Well, and you had said too that you even were maybe thinking about going to like older students in the future. Yeah. I would love like in the future just to kind of, you know, like I still want to like stay at the middle school for a little while, but maybe explore like options of like seeing what you know, following up like high school or even like, you know, the steps programs and stuff. That's like, like, I think that would be so much fun because if you're getting to go out with students in the actual working environment, like that doesn't get any more hands-on than that. Absolutely. That that would be so much fun for me. And like just seeing them being able to function in that environment and seeing them grow and learn different things. And there's so many different things that are involved with that, you know, just, you know, as far as like self-advocating and socializing and all that stuff that I just, 
I never thought that's the area that I would want to be or that I would like be interested in. And I just think it's so fun. Like, like I love the cooking class. Yeah. And it's so fun because there's students that like have like excelled so much in it that I'm like, Oh my gosh, like I didn't see that coming from this student. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, like we've had like last year, like every year we have students with certain like food aversions and that's totally understandable. Like it's, that's just a fact of life. It's going to be that way every year. Mm-hmm. But last year there was one student in particular where he would only eat rice that his mom brought in <laughs> or corn dogs. Oh, okay. That's pretty limited. And so, Right. Like that's like, I mean, like he would eat like maybe like yogurt, but like he just wasn't really into a lot of stuff. And like, so when we were making different things, like we would just put it in front of him, And like, if we tried to get him to take a bite, he'd take like the tiniest little nibble and then like make this gag. And yeah. it's like, we were like shoving like piles of food in his mouth, which I was like, you're so, you're so dramatic. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but I remember one time we were doing, I think we were having like a, a party in the class. Cause it must've been before a holiday or something. So usually that last class before a break, I try to have it be fun and like more social and, yeah. you know, they'll decorate cookies or something. But I remember we look over and he was eating, like he only ate like a couple pieces, but he ate a couple pieces of popcorn and he had never eaten popcorn wow. before. And he, like, I had to like pick my jaw up off the floor <laughs> because like no one prompted him. And we were like, we, what just happened? And That's then he ate, like, thing. just one, like, piece of a pretzel one time. And I was like, I don't care. Just let him do whatever he wants. Like, yeah, if he wants to take a nibble on it, like, let him. I was like, I'm never going to force him. Mm-hmm. I was like, but if he's willing to do this on his own, like, that is amazing. Yes. that No, that is. That's such. So, and I think part of it, too, especially in that cooking experience with the food aversions, since there are so many peers around, they see all their other peers doing it. And really, that's the best modeling you could ever get. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's just natural, pure modeling. Okay, you made this. You don't have to eat it. Just put it on the table in front of you. When everyone cleans up, you can throw it out. Not a big deal. Right. But then as you sit there and look around and all your classmates are eating the trail mix or eating the dip that we made or eating the macaroni and cheese, they're like, huh, well, maybe I'll take a bite. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So it's it's pretty cool. They told me that um, yesterday during they have to do like quiet time for Logan because they're so little. His teacher was saying that she's like, yeah, he sat in quiet time and read a book for like 15 minutes. And I like you said, like my jaw was on the floor. I'm like, he sat down for 15 minutes. (laughs) Like I couldn't even believe it. But again, they see, you know, their peers doing this. They're like, oh, okay, Right. I guess it's crazy. Yeah, I should try that, too. Yeah. Peer modeling is an amazing, amazing thing. It really is. Yeah. I, yeah, I can just like feel your, your passion for all this and I love it. It's so, so it's so awesome. Yeah. I'm definitely glad I made the transition to schools. So I do miss the clinical setting, but schools are definitely where I'm meant to be. Yeah. It seems like this is like your calling for sure, which is, that's so great. Well, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I think this is going to be so great for, like I said, parents like me who have little kids and they're not really sure what middle school might look like for their kids. And it's just so nice to hear all the different things that are available. Or maybe there's parents that are like gearing up for middle school and they're going to figure this out. So that's, that's so nice. Yeah. Um, It can be a transition, you know, moving from fifth to sixth grade. So Oh gosh, yeah. I'm sure. But understandably that's... too, it is a big change for the whole family involved. So yeah. but yeah, no, they have that's there are lots of problem. options. Yeah. Yeah. It's so it sounds like there's there's some really awesome programs, which is so great to hear. Well, again, thank you so much for coming on. You've been awesome. Thank you for having me. I've enjoyed it. Yay. All right. Thanks, Lindsay. All right, you take care. You too. Bye. <laughs> All right. Well, I hope you enjoyed listening to my conversation with Lindsay. I had such a great time talking to her. Her and I could just gab all night, I feel like. Um, there's just so much to say. And I thought she had such such great perspective. And I had said to her, but I just, I, I can feel how much she cares. Which I know for me as as the mom, I 
I just appreciate that so much. And I know so many of you listening can relate to that because we are entrusting these people with our babies and they are the most precious things to us. So just to know that there is people, you know, working with them that, that really care to me is, is just, it's, I mean, it's completely priceless. So thank you so much for listening. I, I'm so, so grateful once again, just to have everybody, all the support, and if you would like to connect with me, you can email me at adventuresinautism2018 at yahoo.com or you can find us on Facebook, our Adventures in Autism podcast page, or on Instagram, Adventures in Autism pod. Um, please, if you are interested in being on the show, whether you're, you know, a mom or a dad or a, a professional in the field, let me know. I would love to talk to you. I love, I'm just enjoying this so much, hearing all the different perspective and just making the connection. It's been, it's been so rewarding to, to hear back from all of you. And I just, I love it. It's, it's so great to be having the, that support. So again, thank you so much for listening and I will talk to you again next week. Thanks.